welcome to the latest episode of Ball Boys. We are the tennis podcast where limp wrists meet extreme grips. My name is Paul Munkholm, and I'm just one of your ball boys. As always, I'm joined by Billy Hansen, my partner in crime, both on and off the court. Hey, Billy. Uh, hey, Paul, but I, I'm not your partner in crime. I thought you said I was your muse. <laughs> am, I, am I not your muse? Girl, I said that you remind me of Candy Muse. Oh. Oh, just guess... kidding. You are, you know, you're my inspiration. You know, I can't do anything without you. You are, what was that Bette Midler song? Um, the Wind Between My Anus. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of noise, um, <laughs> I, I'm just so glad to be over here at your place, Paul, because my little pocket of West Hollywood has been so loud lately. I don't know what's going on jackhammering in the condo next door, trimming bushes outside my window, laying pipe by the pool. I, I mean, it's wow. nuts. Nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So I'm just happy to be here. It's so much more tranquil. That sounds nuts. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Well, I'm always happy to up here in my little oasis where we can get stuff done and feel the creative juices. Um, you know, I, I was reviewing notes before the show, just sort of think about things that we were going to be talking about. And I saw something that I wrote in the middle of the night. I don't know if you ever try and sort of wake wake up and write something down and capture that like, oh, this is this is the idea. This is the million dollar idea. Oh, all the time. All the time. All the time. And is it is it the million dollar idea? Let's well, hear it. What was it? Well, so I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, it just says tits. BF crackers dash story title. <laughs> and um I so Billy, I guess I, I was dreaming about you because you are my my cracker tits. But Say I just no I want to write that story, tits, boyfriend, crackers. These stories need to be told. They need to be told. They're important stories. Yeah. I, I to me, I have no question that that is going to be a hit memoir. I mean or like a one man show. The, the, the title, the title alone, has me has me pre ordering. Riveted. Yeah. Is that why when I got here earlier today, you fed me tuna salad and crackers? I was like, hey, let's do it this. Really hit the it hit the spot. Yeah. No. The 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 tuna salad from Trader Joe's with their garlic non crackers. Perfect snack every time. Mm. Works well, every time. Speaking of dreams, so you have you have dreams where you think about tits crackers and boyfriends, and mm -hmm. I have dreams too. This episode is, in fact, a dream. Are we in a dream? <laughs> Today's episode? Yeah. Are I, we in it's some sort of sweet dream or beautiful nightmare, whatever that song was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, some sort of fever dream. <laughs> um, why well, why are you so excited? What do you mean? I'm so excited because this episode, we are focused exclusively on the women, the WTA, no men, no ATP. Yes, so this is, this is night. my time to shine. <laughs> this is this is your night, Bill. This is the yeah. night for women. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to make this a women's tennis only podcast for months now. Since, Finally get my way. You know, since day one. And here we are. You've got you've won. And... For one episode folks for one episode only we're this covering is, just the women yes <laughs> this is what equality looks like you get one episode you yeah get one month you get one episode i'm excited too i mean yes there's been some men's tennis going on but honestly since the u.s open it's been all about the ladies you know we've got a couple of big tournaments have happened i mean sure on the men's side like there was some team tournaments there was the mrs kasha davis cup there was the UTI, the Ultimate Tennis Infection. I mean, the UTS, the Ultimate Tennis Showdown, which in, Rublev in won Frankfurt. in uh -huh. Frankfurt. Another male name, Frankfurt. I mean, I it's just Jeez. the men are over there doing, you know, their yeah. stuff. There was the Roger Federer cover band tribute festival, <laughs> um, aka the Labor Cup. But all those things mean nothing. Nothing. They were just. It wasn't even exhibitions. It felt like um, just sort of like stunt programming and just yeah, like, so, three, like three weird team hit and giggles back to back. Yeah. I don't yeah. care. Oh my let, god. Let me know when it's relevant. Okay, anyway. I'm sorry, but we just have to capture hit and giggles because that's fucking hilarious. So we're going to have a new segment called Hits and Giggles. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but that's good. 
But anyway, we are talking about the ladies because we just mm-hmm. wrapped up two big tournaments for them. We had the San Diego Open, a 500 level tournament. Guadalajara just uh, wrapped up literally two days ago, a thousand level master's level tournament. So combined, that's 1500 points. You go down there, you win both of those. That's three quarters of the way to a slam in terms of points value. It is prime time to grab some points up, to come down and really get your ranking boosted. And we saw some, we saw some great runs that is going to change sort of like the the scene of who's in the top 40 and 50 going into the new year. So it's like a big, you know, we have a new 40 under 40. Yeah. I, I love how like we saw some real big runs that are going to change the top 50, um, not make no impact on the top 10. Zero. But, Maybe one, yeah. one place change in the top 10, but that's about soccer. Soccer jumped a bit. Um, otherwise the top 10 remained stagnant. Yes. Stagnant, stagnating, but let's start off with our two minute warm up. Because we are what? just going to get right into it. Yeah. And in honor of our episode, ESPN, I think they heard what we were doing here, that we were having a show dedicated to WTA because they just aired the original Battle of the Sexes. So not the Emma Stone movie with Michael from The Office, but the actual live match that took place in the Houston Astrodome mm-hmm. between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. 1973, and right? 1973. 50 years ago. It was, it's the 50th anniversary. I, I think that they aired it primarily because they knew the ball boys were going to do an all-women's episode. ESPN, you know, they, they desperately track what we're doing. Uh, but they might have also in part aired it because it's the 50th anniversary. Fair. Unclear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, one or the other, it's definitely one of those, but it was, it was amazing to watch because, uh, well, I mean, it wasn't amazing because the footage itself was very poorly preserved. So there yeah, was a I lot hope they of have a better, better quality tape out there somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Either at, you know, the Smithsonian or the cubby hole in the West village, but somewhere <laughs> where this lesbian canon can be honored the way it should be. It was bizarre to watch though. So I, so I love game shows and I don't know if you ever, if this ever happens to you, but every now and then like an old version of a game show will come on or I'll, and you'll see like old episodes of the Price is Right or Family Feud. And it is insane what the hosts used to do where it's like, okay, if you go on the Price is Right and you, you're a woman and you guess the right price of a prize, yes. Yes. Bob Barger would be like, oh, come on up and here's $500, reach into my pocket and get it. Yeah. So but if like... you were, but if you were a guy... He was like, here's your $500. You know, don't touch my pocket. And like the guy who was the host of Family Feud used to kiss every woman on the team on the lips, including like, here's my 16 year old daughter. And, you know, the host would be like, come here. Isn't she lovely? Just disgusting. This was the, the, the male same contestants vibe. must have felt left out. Don't you think? Like they, they must have felt. Like, why, why don't I get a kiss? Why don't I get to reach into Bob Barker's pocket? You know, you are finally understanding equality, Billy. Like, this is what I am fighting for. Like, I want to get kissed when I go on Family Feud. I want to reach into Bob Barker's, I guess at this point, casket and get my $500. Like, that's equality. He he made it to 99. So he had a good run. I I, Just so close. So close. So close to triple digits. I know. Oh, I can't wait for us to get It's like Serena Chase getting so close to 24. I know. Hard yeah, yeah, but it was bizarre. So I mean, so Howard Cosell uh, was was the sort of main commentator, famous Howard Cosell, and I could not believe the things that were acceptable to say <laughs> at this really historic, momentous occasion. Just like this, these bevy of beauties, and the way he talked down to Rosie Casals the whole time about her prejudice against Bobby Riggs, and you know, really just only talking about Billie Jean King's looks, about how. When she came out, if she would just lose those glasses, she could be a movie star. And it was just <laughs> like, I like seeing it through the lens of 2023. I mean, I know it's it's not news, but I was just floored because I couldn't imagine any of that happening now. No, it was definitely alarming. I do think that because Bobby Riggs had described himself as a male chauvinist and he'd been talking trash about Billie Jean King leading up to this match and hyping it. The commentary commentators and and the network to some extent leaned in to this uh, dramatizing of men versus women, objectifying women, right? Like, and then they also, on some level, they're in their defense. Some of the women were like, 
go Billie Jean King. She can do it. She's amazing. She's yeah. Yeah. No, I no, it's true. I mean, the commentators, you know, they finally had a chance to objectify women. And so they 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 <laughs> took it. Because I mean, even they had this sketch artist in the audience who was like sketching different people, and he's like, Well, I'm trying to sketch this lines one, but I'm really distracted by her stance because she was bent over like calling the lines. I mean, it was just like girl. Yeah. Girl. Well, um, it, that is too bad though. You know, I do miss lines people for that reason. Like I I I I know we have electronic lines calling now, but if I, I do miss those beautiful sketches of yeah. lines people's butts and we have lost that. And so that's it is a casualty of electronic lines calling. And I wish we just had a little bit more posterior art of yeah. lines people. Yeah. Ooh, you mean posterior save for posterity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. That's, Nailed that's it. Nailed it. We'll both. workshop that one. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, not everywhere, because I mean, so Guadalajara, as we we're going to talk about, it just happened. They still have people calling the lines. It's so jarring now when people challenge. I don't like it. I don't want lines people anymore, to be honest. It's just we have the technology. We have, you know, we can go to space. We can, we have vaccines for COVID and we have electronic lines calling. We just don't need them anymore. It's just weird to do. I um, agree. Well, anyway, that's our warm up. So now we're going to get into the action that's been going on the last couple of weeks on the WTA. And we're going to start off with the San Diego Open because we went. We went. So for the second year in a row, we went down to San Diego. Uh, There's a 500 level tournament right after the US Open. And we drove down. The weather was not what San Diego is known for. San Diego is known for just being sunny all the time, sunny in 75. It's true. I, I Okay. Know. No, I call. I Okay. Everyone, this is a public service announcement. So I've been to San Diego twice now for the San Diego Open. It has only rained or been cloudy the entire fucking time. I haven't seen any sunlight in San Diego. I think that it is a marketing. It's It's genius marketing, but it is all fluff. It is a lie. San Diego is not sunny san diego what, billy i'm shook well i mean the san diego population has all signed an <laughs> an, an nda an nda saying we're not gonna tell anyone what the real weather is like we're gonna say it's sunny we're gonna track these tourists we're gonna take all their money we're gonna empty their pockets and we're gonna say oh we're so sorry it's just the one day that it was rainy but it, it's actually raining oh, all yeah. the time and it's this scam it's the san diego scam bamboozle oh. scam diego yeah. and tijuana sometimes <laughs> you know on, on odd years yeah yeah well i mean overall yeah it's a fantastic tournament it's a big deal it's a 500 i think they are making a very smart decision to move the tournament to February as an Indian Wells tune-up starting next year. Yeah, so next year it's going to be right before Indian Wells, which is exciting. That means we get to go again to sunny San Diego in just a matter of months. <laughs> mm-hmm. but just geographically, in terms of the flow of the calendar, that does make a lot more sense than having it after the U.S. Open. Yeah, I love the road trip down. Uh, well, of course, so there's a, a military base on the way from Los Angeles to San Diego called Camp Pendleton. Mm. And uh, Paul all of a sudden is, is fumbling with his phone. Uh, his phone <laughs> is lighting up. He's on grinder trying to, you know, I see, I see the barracks start, start shaking <laughs> off the freeway. What did, what, Look, did I was you just find thank- anything good on grinder? I was just we thanking them for their Camp service. Pendleton? Yeah. You know, as look the 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 line between tennis and military. Thank you for your service. I don't know which one I'm talking about, but it's it's appropriate no matter if I'm at a tennis tournament or at Camp Pendleton. So uh, Billy's car has a special twink attachment <laughs> that uh, is basically a, a twink catcher. So it expands. So as we were driving down, we were able to just like pick up these twinks. And by the time we got down to San Diego, you know there was like a couple in the grill, a couple on the roof. It was great. We had twinks was- all weekend. It was the Twink Party bus by the time we got down. Yeah. We went to the matches on both Friday and Saturday. We're going to start with Friday. Mm-hmm. Friday, we saw a semifinal between Danielle Collins and Barbora Krejcikova. We had great seats. We were in the second row. It's amazing how close you can get to these elite players at a 500 type event versus a slam. That oh, Paul, honey. don't get started on an Ash again. I don't want to hear I will. <laughs> Don't even bring up Ash. I can't. Have they called Dennis Quaid yet? Well, 
<laughs> anyway, it it's it's great how up close and personal you can get with these top twenty players. Um, last year, I was a great I, draw. Yeah, uh, the, you know there was no no none of the top five were there. No. Um, and last year we we saw Iga, we saw Coco Goff. I would argue that the field was a little stronger last year, partially because there were no tournaments in China later in the year. So the women, I think, were like, "This is our last chance to grab some points." Um, yeah. Well, and they all realized that sunny San Diego is a fucking lie. They're like, I don't want to go get rained on again for the weekend. They right. knew they, they knew. Um, but yeah, no, it was so cool. Like last year I have video of like Coco Goff walked, had to walk by me to get to the court. Like we're basically like besties now. It's like, we're both in it. We're like giving like the peace sign and we're like, Hey girl. And she's like, Hey girl. Yeah. But now that she's won the U S open, is she talking to you anymore? I hear she's like, now you know if you were really her friend, if she's still talking to you or at, to you after that U.S. Open win. She doesn't have time to play with me the way we were planning to come back. Coco Monk was going to be our our portmanteau. Coco Monk, let's go, po- it's, Coco Monk. It's it's catchy. Yeah, it's like Pokemon. Coco Monk, and it was a cool match between. I was really psyched for this match between Danielle and Barbora. Two really interesting players. I was excited for the. I was excited for the match too because. I am a fan of both Danielle and Barbora. And to be honest, I couldn't decide who I was going to cheer for. Oh, you were, you were out of control. Well, I decided to cheer for both players. Yeah. And I especially decided to cheer for Barbora when she was down and for Danielle when she was down. And I, I think that I created some real exciting momentum shifts in this match because Danielle was about to run away with it. I would cheer for Babs. Babs would make a comeback. Then I'd go back to cheering for Danielle. I'm Paul. Look, I wanted you to have a great viewing experience and I wanted you to have a three setter. <laughs> and so Aww. I cheered accordingly. That that is that is super sweet. I didn't know that's why you were doing it. I accept I accept that uh, for you token of your affection. You know, sure, it's at the expense of controlling women on our women's episode, <laughs> which is maybe a little weird. But um, look, I've never seen anything like this. It was unhinged. <laughs> usually, usually people cheer for one player and one player only. Maybe if there's like a, it's a runaway and you want a longer match or maybe like someone does something amazing, you switch allegiances once. I swear to God, Billy changed more often than they changed balls. It was like on every changeover. And honestly, then I started to realize, oh, Billy's just a little nearsighted because he just cheered for whoever was on our side of the court. Like literally it was, it was, and people were looking at you because you were like, come on, Barbora. Well, come on, Collins. <laughs> come on. Come on, Danielle. Come on, Danielle Krajikova. Like you were combining them at the end. Like you like it was it was crazy. And it I was, was like just blinking down in my chair. It was a coincidence that I was cheering for the player closest to me. That just was a coincidence. I was really cheering for the player who most needed my support at that moment. Um, and it was a great match, right? Right. Although Danielle seemed a little uh, injured there toward the end. We well, actually saw a live outburst. We did. She, we, were vic- was, we were victims of an outburst. I'm not going to lie. That was intense. I I feel like I still haven't shaken that yeah. now that I think about it. Well, what well, happened? What happened? Let's process it. Let's process it a little bit. So, okay. I, I think we're both pretty big Danimal Collins fans. I'm a I'm yeah. a, I'm a fan. I I love her game. She <laughs> I love her attitude. I mean, all love the her things, swagger. All the things that led to this outburst are things that I loved. But now that I'm a victim, I also love her story. Right? You know, she. Yeah. She grew up with nothing. She was not a touted junior. She worked really hard in college to become a top player and, you know, believed in herself and really started playing top quality professional tennis when she was like 25, 26. I think that's a that's an inspiring story. I don't know if she grew up with nothing, but I mean, she grew up without being like a, a teen phenom. I think she she has a very modest, a very she grew up with very totally. modest, means. but it's like I'm just saying, sir. Like in the in in the scheme of the world, it's not like she was like, um, you know. Sometimes you have to embellish to Harvard. You have to embellish a little bit when you're writing a narrative, Paul. True. Yes. Oh, this is the this is the narrative of um, Tits boyfriend crackers. It's the Danielle <laughs> Collins story. Oh yeah. my God, that actually is not bad. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I agree. I I love her story. I was really excited about the match. Like I said. And Danielle, honestly, like she was controlling it. 
she was in control of who was going to win that match. It was on her racket. And the thing was, is like she missed a couple of key points. She had a few games where she went away and she decided to take it out on us, the fans, her biggest fans. So she would actually start mocking her supporters. Um, there yeah. was one game where she double faulted twice in a row and everyone was like, oh, and yeah, people we, just groaned. They were groans of support. They were groans of love. You right. know a thing or two about groans of love. And I know about were, moans and groans of love. These were moans and groans. She turned around and looked at everybody and she just goes, oh, like in a real mocking tone. And I was just like, oh, oh, that feels weird. I don't I don't like that. And then there was this other point where she almost, you know, it was a really key point. She hit yeah. a, a forehand volley and it just went out. We didn't know. So we were like cheering and then groaning and then cheering and groaning. And she just she just turns around and says, shut up. <laughs> and it's like. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Danielle, you have played a professional tennis match before with a crowd, right? That happened to be a very exciting point, if I recall correctly, right? The ball was just out, so people were like, "Oh!" oh. And then exactly. Danielle was like, "Uh, shut up!" Yeah, she was like, not amused. It was it was crazy because also, I, I yeah, your point is really spot on. Like, has she ever played a a match where there's maybe a hostile crowd? Like, this crowd was behind her, and she took yeah. it out on us. If we were all rooting for Krajikova, and then, like, Danielle took it out on us, I would get it. Barbara should have right. taken it out on us. Danielle, like, we're all, like, behind you, and she was just so really off-putting. I did love it, though, when she specifically shushed a, a group of finance bros. bros. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was cool. I was like, I was like, yeah. Like, those JP Morgan vests or whatever. Yeah. Shush them. Oh, her stare down is probably the best on tour oh yeah. My God. yeah and you know in barbora's defense she kept it cool that entire match she didn't mm -hmm. give away anything and she ultimately was the better player on the day she is a cool tomato yeah yeah but it just i don't know it made me feel weird i was just like do i love danielle as much as i did do i love her less do i love her more i can't tell yet but it was just yeah. you're still processing the trauma. I'm processing. I mean, I don't know. Do I you, still I still love, love her just as much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're so you're blaming the victim, the victim being me. <laughs> I just I just love Danielle's moxie. And I think it's fun mm. to have that on court, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you uh, you speculated, you said I think her back is really hurting her and she's like trying to you know, not get too irritated, but I think your, your hypothesis might've been correct. Yeah. I only got that when I was outside at the food pavilion and some oh, drunk woman sat at the picnic table next to me and was like, well, her back hurts. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, so yeah. that was my, look, I will take any source of information. So, you know, once again, listeners, if you have any tidbits, share them with us um, at ball boys, do a pod at gmail.com. Like, was that the same? Was that the same woman who told us that there are more autistic children now because older women are having more babies? Look, I love the pavilion there because it's a place to exchange ideas. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, let's talk a little bit overall about the Symbiotica San Diego Open and some overall impressions. Honestly, overall, I think it's a pretty cool tournament for especially for a 500 level tournament because it's got this like nice intimate feeling to it. Yes. You know? The grounds are not super spread out. And there's something kind of endearing about a tournament that's a bit of a pop-up tournament, a bit rickety, porta potties, you know, <laughs> but they're still they're still doing their best. You've still got top players. You know, it, it feels yeah. almost a little retro, like what the Virginia Slims tour must have felt like, you know, back in the day we're doing they were doing those pop-ups in Chicago and Philadelphia and Boston. And I, <laughs> I, I love that like from the porta potties, I could see the stadium and I could right. order a Huli Huli chicken sandwich. Like it was just all so centralized and easy to navigate. And oh, that food though. Paul food. insisted, listeners, that we try every food item on the menu. Yeah. And I said, Paul, I think we can actually see from afar that this food is of questionable quality. But Paul was like, no, no, no. We have got, got to sink our teeth we into each we morsel. Had, look, well, first of all, we had to because we were kind of held hostage. Like they don't allow outside food or beverages in. So if you go to right. San Diego Open, you're going to eat that goddamn food. Right. And so, but yeah, I took one for the team, which I know is usually your job. To take one from the team. But look, we're putting the gay in investigative journalism and we had to do some taste testing of all the food. It's our duty. You know, what? we had a Philly steak. 
Uh-huh. We had a huli huli chicken sandwich. Which was uh, a grilled chicken and a pineapple. With a pineapple. And one leaf of lettuce. <sighs> and I'm was it mustard? Little, I'm getting yeah. a little... Um, Queasy just thinking about it? Just I, I'm just... it's it's. We're still processing it's, that trauma I'm having well. um, hunger pangs. Um, <laughs> and then we had a flatbread. Then we had some pretzel bites. Um, we had some toffee chocolate chips. Um, Can you remind we didn't me? have... What was on that flatbread, Paul? Because I feel like when it was brought to me, it was, you said it was like, oh, this is like a tomato, basil, mozzarella flatbread. And it seemed like that flatbread was flattened by the time it got to my (laughs) lap. It it was nude. It was practically nude. You had had a nude illusion flatbread. I think you might have picked off whatever mozzarella, tomato, and basil were on it, if there was ever any. There was the, the, the spread of the toppings look the toppings came out the way the toppings came out and you you take the toppings the way you're going to get the toppings okay billy i i put it in my mouth you yeah as you, you as you, you instructed you me sure to. did but i have to ask so based on that menu uh-huh is that indicative of like san diego cuisine because you're from san diego like so just like you know i think about san diego i think of sunshine i also think about san diego i think about like maybe a taco but like yeah. maybe it's a rainy place where you get Philly cheesesteaks. Is that <laughs> what is San Diego? What is going on down there? San Diego has great cuisine. I did grow up in San Diego and that Symbiotica San Diego Open, love you, had overall a great time. Food left a little something to be desired. Wasn't very tasty. I don't remember a highlight among the menu. If you do, Paul, let me know. Yeah. Maybe, was it the Starburst? Possibly the the Starburst that we got. Oh, I ate enjoyed. that shit up. I I ate those Starbursts yeah. like it was my job. Which is the flavor that you don't like, orange or pink? You were giving me all of one flavor and one flavor pink. only. I'm I'm yeah. I'm Team Orange, which I'm shook by because I find that uh, I'm actually a minority. Because I yes. I assume everyone loves the flavor I love, but nobody likes orange. I love orange. No, I was so thrilled that it was orange that you were into because I love pink. And so it was like we were two peas in a in a pod, in a bulk boys pod. In a podcast. Two peas in a symbiosis. podcast. Symbiosis. Symbiosis. Yeah. But yeah, like couldn't they have gotten a little taqueria, a little taco truck? Point yeah. Loma Seafood is right nearby the barn center. Uh, that would have been a great pop-up. There's, I think, this restaurant in Pacific Beach called the bareback grill <laughs> seems like a logical partnership uh, for the san diego open okay sorry if there's a place called the bareback grill i will help you set up i will go there for <laughs> breakfast lunch and dinner like i would be i would be sitting there even when i didn't have tickets to the to the big show the only thing matching the tension on the court was the hypertension in that food court my doctor was like what did you do what what have you been yeah. up to like i was i was like bloated and sweaty when i got back there was like after a night at the eagle for you <laughs> i i will say that yeah they can they can elevate the food it was at best economy class airplane food uh and we had you're right we had a lot of fun in the pavilion there were a lot of sponsors that were just conversing with us we oh, oh wait let me see your shirt mm-hmm. yes so paul it. is wearing paul is wearing a shirt that he purchased at the San Diego Open. Um it's so cute. Uh it's by it. this company Ace the Moon. Uh and Ace the Moon is this SoCal based uh lifestyle and clothing brand. They sell hats, shirts, ceramics, art. Um they're great. I, I love their yeah. stuff and it was so fun meeting Josh and Dina. And um I'm a big Ace the Moon fan and you look good in that shirt. Um no I love this shirt and honestly it's also super soft which is like key for me. Yeah. And also, you know, Billy picked up a new lube. Um, I mean, candle. Uh, there was a candle company there that had a booth. And I don't know. I don't know, like, what sort of mad scientists have dreamed this up. Or maybe this isn't a new thing. I've never heard of this before. But they had low temperature burning wax where, you know, you light the candle and then it melts and da, da, da. And then immediately that wax can then be used as, and they said in air quotes, massage oil, which we all know what that means. And I am in air quotes excited to use that on billy well you right there at the booth you dipped your fingers into that wax oh i got you didn't, up in there you didn't flinch yeah. and then you slathered it on my neck and it wasn't too hot it was just nice and warm and i love this lube candle hybrid okay but speaking of like some of the companies and the sponsors though 
I loved that this was sponsored by Symbiotica, which I didn't know too much about. It's a supplements company, but it's just, at least it's different. It's kind of cool. Although I think it would have been even cooler if they had given out some samples of the supplements, like, you know, give me a bag of pills and I'm a happy boy. I mean, Billy, didn't you find some pills on the ground? Yeah, I thought it was Symbiotica supplements, but yeah, I don't know. I was up all night. But uh, no, Symbiotica seems like a, a great company. Love the vibe that they created at the tournament for sure. Yeah. And it was just nice because like, honestly, like every other tennis tournament is sponsored by a bank and it is so boring. It's like, okay, here's Chase, here's JP Morgan, here's Western and Southern, like Yon City, like Yonick Sinner. I'm a Yonicking. <laughs> like we want to grow the appeal of tennis and we want to grow the bank. We want to grow the prize money and everything like where the fuck is the Tostitos Open or like right? the Oreo Cup? Like, come on. Fun. Or the Pure for Men Ladies Open, right? <laughs> yeah. WTA players are interested in staying regular like you know, everyone else. I think about that all the time, actually. More specifically <laughs> for the chair umpires. I'm oh. just like, how do they last? Like, especially on the men's t- tour, if there's like a four-hour match. Have we ever had a chair ump? stop a match because she or he was uh about to shit the chair i i've never seen it God. listeners if you know of a of an instance where a chair ump or for that matter alliance person who is having her her portrait a drawn, ball boy had, anyone yeah, yeah had to abandon a match and, and the match was uh temporarily suspended due to please send us the link final so score ball boys, ball boys do a pod at gmail.com Final score, six poo, six poo. (laughs) (laughs) And so the last thing I'll just say about though, like Symbiotica, we think the ball boys need to come down there for February, play live, name that grunt and game set matchmaker. It is time. Oh, we will come down. We will turn this party out. Let's talk. Indeed. Indeed. I can't wait. We also went to the final, which was on Saturday. Yes, ma'am. and that was Krychikova versus Kennan. Kennan making a a comeback. So it yeah. was these resurgent Grand Slam champions. Kind of exciting, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we have the 2020 Australian Open champion versus the 2021 French Open champion, and the stadium was rocking. The house it was a packed house for the semifinal on Friday. I was a little concerned because the crowd was light, but the final was sold out. We didn't have as good of seats though mm-hmm. for the final. Yeah, we we sat <laughs> but for the d- first set. We <laughs> were we were it wasn't too bad. No, because we sat in seats that weren't ours. Um, <laughs> we sat in some great seats yeah. and we just kind of owned it and we're enjoying the match. And then at about five, four in the first set, an usher came up to us and said, you know, may I see your tickets? Are these your seats? <laughs> and I just simply did not look the usher in the eye. I looked, looked around, got up. And just wandered wandered away up the bleachers to what were just our seats. Sheepishly. Well, yeah. uh, wait, did you say Usher? Usher was there? Because, yes. So Usher was also just announced to be uh, the Super Bowl halftime show performer. So maybe he was there like warming up because he did. He did look at our tickets. Uh-huh. He saw where our seats were supposed to be. And he was like, you got it bad. You got it. <laughs> you got it bad. Whatever that Usher song is. Yeah. But yeah. He sang us up to the. The nosebleed. It was it was a it was a good three set another good It was a really good match. match. Yeah. Uh Krejcikova took it six four, two, six, six, four. And then Krejcikova also took the doubles. She partnered with Sinyakova beating Collins and Vandaway. Look at that. In, in what was Coco Vandaway's last match. Now Coco is already commentating on the tennis channel. Frankly, I like her as a commentator. I think she's funny. She's unfiltered. Coco, she's a little bit like Danimal and she's a little polarizing. She's a little brash, which made her maybe not the most popular player on tour always. But I think those exact things are going to make what I will really enjoy listening to as a commentator because I'm tired of these commentators being like, nice job, well played. It's just like, no, like I want to hear, I want to hear the dirt. I want to hear some digs. I want to be like, oh, well, that sucked. Like, I want to hear it. So yeah, I think that that's a good move for her. And also, I love that you brought up Sonia or Sophia Kennan. Right, uh, because Sonia is a nickname for Sophia. Okay. I, I have to say, 
I have not always been a fan of Kenan, but seeing her live, I have become a bit more of a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not mad at this Kenaissance that we're seeing. She had a run to the final in San Diego. We'll get to Guadalajara, but she had a run to the semis in Guadalajara. She's now ranked 31, so she's back in the top yeah. 40. She's going to be probably seated at the Australian Open. Um, what do you think about watching Kenan live? I I totally agree. You know, yes, we can in. So first of all, on TV, she looks very sort of slight and diminutive. In person, she she was like a jock. It was like, oh, like there's a player. I mean, she also looked like the mummy because she was so wrapped. But, right. uh, you know, hopefully she's not too injured. But I love her game live. It was actually really her and Barbora have very similar games, very clean strokes. But yeah, she's showing a little bit more personality. Like, remember how she leaned against the wall? I uh, yeah the back I loved it yeah whenever there was like a little bit of like a a break or a longer point or anything she would just kind of go to the back wall and just kind of lean on it like kind of like that cool girl in high school kind of looking like hey like I'm the popular one what do you want yeah all she needed was a cigarette and it would been would have been like Virginia Slimbiaticas <laughs> or whatever I mean look this uh, is a, this is gonna be a niche reference but she was giving Jordan Catalano oh my so called life for my so called life I because love it. Angela. Chase was obsessed with how Jordan Catalano leaned. Don't you just love the way he leans against things? That's oh. that's Sophia Kennan. So yeah, I somehow went down a Jared Leto Instagram wormhole the other day, and uh, let's just say I missed the days of Jordan Catalano. Oh my god! Yeah, Woo. that's rough. Um, so that's our San Diego experience. Shall we quickly talk about Guadalajara? We did not go to Guadalajara. Um, no, it was interesting. It's a one thousand. Right, neither did anyone term. else. <laughs> so that was the problem. We didn't go, yeah. and neither did the rest of the field. No, there were there was no Iga, there was no Arena, there was no Rabakana, there was no Jessica Pagula, there was no Coco Goff. So no Kazakina, no Kvitova. Yeah, no yeah. Mukova, Bondrusova. It was uh, a light field. I don't. I don't know why. Why do you think no one bothered to go to Guadalajara? There are a lot of points and definitely some prize money up for grabs. It was really disappointing. I'm just going to say I was disappointed. And not that my disappointment. I'm not, I don't think Iga's at home being like, oh, no, I disappointed the ball boys. But it was disappointing. Well, she might be. Because, well, I mean, she's not, she's, well, she's not doing anything else. She's not playing. This is a 1,000 level tournament. And yeah. Guadalajara is kind of on the way to Tokyo from New York. Like, it's not, it's not, not on the way. Like, you can it's, get there. It's, a, it's practically a layover. It's exactly it's the famous uh, New York, Guadalajara, Tokyo hub. I, I get it. This season is very long. I personally am exhausted from covering it and watching it and talking <laughs> about it. So I get it. Maybe the players are a little tired too, but there's there's things that you should probably force yourself to show up to. And this is like, hey, if if you're playing a long game, like I get it, your health is important, but also your strategic odds of moving up in the rankings is critical. And so people who bothered to show up to Guadalajara are now poised for a great 2024. People who didn't just missed out on a big opportunity for points. It was fun to see some runs by, you know, I'm not, not talking about diarrhea. It was fun to see some. What did you eat? The Huli Huli? Sadly, I did. <laughs> uh, you actually was... ate that up. You loved that. But anyway. It wasn't it wasn't as that bad uh but taylor townsend had a good run and now is has jumped up in the rankings layla fernandez had a good run in guadalajara she's now jumped up in the rankings you know those are two of my faves of course mm-hmm. caroline dalahide had that huge run i mean now she's almost in the top 40 uh yeah. that was an inspiring story because she seems like a really nice cool person who's been working hard for years and years and years and to to have this kind of breakthrough must be so gratifying it's a feel-good story well you just Um, have to you have to kind of change your mindset when you're looking at guadalajara versus let's say cincinnati or canada where it's like okay cincinnati and canada you have people who are in the top 45 or 50 fighting to qualify who don't even get in. Yeah, I remember Danielle Collins had to qualify. She had to qualify, and she was yeah. ranked in the 40s. And it's like, wait, how is this? Like, wow. And, you know, that led to our theory that it's actually some in some ways harder to win a Masters 1000 as opposed to a Grand Slam where you've got the first and second rounds. Eh, maybe it won't be that tough. At the 1000s, it's tough to even just qualify. The first round is tough right away. Guadalajara, 
<laughs> You've got to change your mindset. Yeah. It's about exactly like you're saying, those inspiring runs, those opportunities to jump up. They were like, hey, would would you like to play here? And they, I mean, they almost asked me to play. They were I taking they were all like, comers, which, you know. Our ranking cut off to, to qualify for Guadalajara's. 674 yeah no but it was a fun <laughs> tournament and actually the stands were packed the fans seemed to love the matches they didn't seem to care that it was a soccer dollahide final they seemed to eat it up and hey good for soccer her biggest title ever uh she's up to number six in the world again and she'd had a rough year so i'm not the biggest soccer fan but uh i do admire her game it was only her second title on tour which is surprising because she's been kind of a, a mainstay in the top 10 for at least the last two or three years, maybe longer. And it was like, oh, wow. She's yeah, only but she's been like, this was it. Developing this rep as losing the big matches, getting to the semis and then mm -hmm. losing. So perhaps this will be a little bit of a, a turning point. We shall see how players who performed well in yeah. San Diego and Guadalajara, like Kenan, Krejcikova, Sakri, Dalahide, let's see yeah. how they do. Next year, there. I don't think there's going to be a Guadalajara tournament next year, but looking at the calendar, we'll see. So this may be Guadalajara's last run. Well, all right. So now we've got a word from this week's sponsor. So this week's episode is brought to you by Belinda's Benches. Whether painting the lines or out on the lanai, Belinda's Benches are the benches that push back. Each one is handcrafted in Switzerland, which makes shipping incredibly expensive but with craftswomanship that will last a lifetime. That's Belinda's Benches. All right, we are back for our flops and our bops, where we talk about the things we love and the things we loathe and everything in between. And our first bop is Gabriella Sabatini showing up at Guadalajara for the final. Just because, like, look, whenever we see her, we just got to be like, fuck, what a bop. She is smoking. Wow. Wow. I saw her walk onto the court with those sunglasses and those jeans. And I... No chic. I had to question my sexuality. In fact, I'm still questioning. I think I might have... Uh, that was a total lobsbian moment. She might have made me straight. Seriously. Uh, oh, wow. my God. Well, she, she, uh, same, but I think she made me a lesbian. She has actually like shook in the ball was to the core. She's made one of us straight and one of us a lesbian. Like, I don't even know what to do. We're going like, to have yeah. to re we're going to have to rebrand the rebrand new logo. A straight guy and his lesbian pal <laughs> into a podcast. Actually, what that kind of still describes us. It works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> but I don't know how old she is. She must be in her early fifties, but she looks absolutely fantastic. Is yeah. she, I don't know if she's. A lesbian or not you know I'm, we don't want to out people on this pod i, I have no idea but oh, I, I kind of vaguely recall her coming out at one point or someone telling me yeah she's out but wait a second are you googling yeah find out is sabatini sabatini a, gay? a bagel bumper <laughs> a bagel. sabatini a carpet bagel. i've never heard of a bagel bumper it's just a vegetarian the <laughs> <laughs> the results you get from just googling like is so and so gay is just always great so a lot of these blurbs are kind of like talking about like there's a lot of speculation but anything the, conclusive. the most definitive headline is that she comes out of the closet but it's it's what it's from findadeathforum.com which is oh that's where i get all my news findadeathforum.com yeah i'm afraid to okay. click on the link because i don't even want to know <laughs> what community i'll be joining when i join findadeathforum.com there might be some serious phishing that, that happens on your computer after you click that link but if if there was like a i don't know i don't i don't want to say a seniors tour because that feels insulting but like if there was like a a, a mature tour a mature a mature the mature tour the mature the mature tour yeah, um, I would watch her play the Matua tour like oh, nobody's business all day and night. I think now, though, it's time for our game of the episode. Oh. We're debuting a new game. A new it game is called it is called My Con or Yukon. Um, so look, it only makes sense that in a show about women, we actually make it a show about gay men idolizing strong women. And that's when we're talking about gay icons. And when you think about the gay icons of the sport, you're not really thinking about male players. I mean, you're thinking about 
the women. A gay icon is not necessarily, it's not even often a gay person, but it's just someone that we idolize, that we as gay men and lesbians and the entire LGBTQIA plus community idolize. So what we've decided to do, though, just because we are toxic uh, gay white men is we're going to pit our gay icons against each other. Yes. So we are going to have three rounds where I'm going to present Billy with two gay icons and he's got to <gasps> pick one. Is it my con or is it Yukon? And okay. he's going to pick one and tell me why they are the better or bigger gay icon. So it's like it's like two out of three. If I get two out of three of these right or all three right, yes. I win. So I will tell you if I will tell you if you're correct, and we'll see. I I don't know. I I don't know where you're going to land on this. You might go three for three. You might you might bottom out, which is so unlike I, you. Doesn't doesn't sound so bad. Doesn't phase you. Okay, so we are our first pair, our first pair of gay icons. Okay, I'm ready. Give Billy. it to me. Venus or Serena? Oh, come on. You got to tell me, which one's the bigger, better gay icon? I'm going to go with Venus. And all I'm going to say is, listeners, look up her celebration after winning the 2017 Australian Open semifinal over Coco Vandeweghe, if there is not a more mm. gay, iconic celebration, then... Then you don't know what gay is. Then I don't know what gay is. Exactly. Uh, so that's that's my answer, and that's my reason. I mean, we've already established that Sabatini made you straight. So, you know, who knows? Maybe you don't know gay anymore. But you are correct, and I yes. will point to the uh, 100th anniversary of Center Court at Wimbledon, um, where they trotted out, uh, trot, trot, all of the previous <laughs> champions who were still alive and could trot. Um, and <laughs> Venus, they, you know, they would open the doors and a new champion come out. Venus, they open the door, Venus is standing there. And yeah, Suzanne is, Langland did not make it. She did not make it, no, <laughs> sadly. Um, but Venus sure did. She, oh, my fucking God, was so gorgeous, so statuesque, like just owned it. And she ate that court up. She made Novak look like a turd. Like she was oh. just, it was, it was one of the most diva moments that I've experienced. And like, because of that and other reasons, you're correct. It is Venus Williams. So okay. one for one for one, Billy. All right. Who's who's next, Paul? Okay. The next one. Um, I think you know this answer, so uh, I'm going to assume you're going to get this right. Okay. It's Jennifer Capriati or Monica Sellers. Which one is the game? <laughs> no Steffi Graf? Well, yeah. I shouldn't it be Graf versus Sellers. I mean, they were. Is Graf a gay? Is Graf a gay icon? No. Steffi, Steffi Graf is a gay icon in like rural Hamburg, Germany. Like, no, <laughs> she is. She is not a gay icon. This is. These are the two from the nineties. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to go for Celis because of that grunt. That grunt is iconic. Um, come on, playing two handed oh, off both. Playing two-handed off both sides, is there anything gayer than that? Jan Michael Gamble modeled his game after her, for Christ's sake. His, and Wait, also, what are you saying about Jan Michael's game, then? It's kind of gay? That it's it's similar to Monica Sellis. <laughs> that was modeled after Monica Sellis's. Um, and it's pretty gay. And uh, <laughs> and then, you know, the stabbing and the comeback oh, and, and the struggling. Did you, did you ever read Monica's memoir? Was it called Scream? <laughs> oh, my God stab too i'm so sorry that, you're wrong you're wrong first of I'm all wrong? getting stabbed is canonically heterosexual so no the bigger gay icon is jennifer capriati jennifer capriati is the gay icon of all icons she is our britney fucking spears she is our fallen from grace ingenue who has overcome so much who has come back from so many trials and tribulations who has who has beaten her demons and faced them down and she is she is she's like our our princess diana she's the people's princess and jennifer capriati is the gay icon well you have a you have a, i should have i should have known that it was capriati I told you, you. Have, you have such a yeah. soft spot for her but so we've split okay. sets so you're one for two split sets third okay. set coming up oh and shoot Okay, so this one is is kind of like the rival of the 80s and also the gay icons of the 80s. So now we have 
Chrissy Everett versus Martina Navratilova. Which one is the gay icon, Billy? Wow. Well, you know, you kind of want to give it to Martina because of that mullet she had in the early 90s. And, you know, she actually she she is a lesbian. Yeah. And mullets are very in right now with gay men. Everywhere I look in WeHo, Vaseline, from Vaseline Alley to High Tops, it's mullets. So, mm-hmm. I, so I'm actually going to go with Chris Everett because, and I think this is something that is underappreciated about her. She had a lot of traditionally feminine qualities and uh, appealed to people often because of those, you know, she, she was very feminine, right? That's one of the reasons she was such a, she was America's sweetheart. And, and I'm not necessarily defending that or celebrating that. Yeah. But well, you celebrate compl- femmes. You love femmes. <laughs> I do. She complicated that by being so ruthlessly competitive. And we had not seen that culturally before, seeing this sort of like America's sweetheart, but also Ice Princess. She's going to mm-hmm. do everything she can to win. And I think that's definitely gay icon material. And so that's why my vote goes for Chrissy. Okay. Okay. It's, what do you, you think, know, Paul? It's a tight one, which again I know you love, and <laughs> don't know a whole lot about. You are correct. It is Chrissy Everett because, and you said the word a lot: cultural impact. She has played so many roles within culture. She was, you know, the young ingenue. She was the ice princess, ruthless champion. But then. In the late 80s, mostly, and a little bit in the early 90s, she was the rallying point for America. There is nothing that will unite America like a slightly smaller, traditionally feminine girl just getting trounced by Eastern Europeans. And so every time we watched her play against Martina Navratilova, you knew exactly what what we were thinking and saying and rooting for. And... That type of impact is canonical game. Yes, but I, I'm I'm gonna say that uh, Chris Everett never fell into that narrative. She never said anything remotely oh, yeah. homophobic about Martina. She no. never said anything uh, remotely negative. She always defended Martina in a way that was, frankly, ahead of her time. And oh, 100%. Which is another part of say, her impact of being I'm, a gay yeah. Yeah, being and being an ally. I say we we wrap this episode up. It's been an absolute pleasure, Paul. You've you've tickled me in all the ways that I like to be tickled. So thank you. <laughs> we'll be back. There are like 17 tournaments happening in Asia over the next two weeks. Yeah, we've got the tops, the bottoms, the ins and outs of the Asian swing. And as always, I'm Paul Munkholm with Billy. And thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you real soon. See you soon. Thank you.